Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. I am Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I uh, spoke to the upper strata, um, which is comprised of Johnny Re- Johnny Sanchez and uh, Regulus Sanchez Schmidt, um, husband and wife duo. Um, I met uh, Johnny and Regula uh, when I was working at the Mile High Grill and Inn in Jerome, Arizona, and they were uh, uh, a band that I brought back several times. I was booking the live music at that venue for a couple years, and uh, we became friends. And a few years ago, I stayed with them in Portland, Oregon, uh, when I was on a road trip, and um, they're living in Switzerland now. But uh, so this was obviously done over the internet, and uh, they have a new album. Uh, Lou Up Elk coming out December 18th. So we talked about that, but also just talked about what a weird year this has been for all of us. And um, yeah, it was just great to catch up with them. Um, uh, great, great couple and uh, just really enjoy talking with them about art and music. And uh, it's always great so uh, to catch up. So here, enjoy my chat with the Upper Strata. Yeah, it's there's like a way around it, but it basically um, it takes just about as much time as if you just wait out the the bridge usually. Right. And, you know, a bunch of people usually have the same idea. So uh, if you swing, it's just kind of, you know, one of those things. So with being like a traffic jam. Everybody avoiding it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I was trying... It's like uh, Google will tell you, get out now, because there's a slowage up above, uh, coming up, and then it's like everybody does, and doesn't save any time in the end. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was... Um, I just did a little... I did a road trip. Well, I, I flew, and then did a road trip out in Colorado and um, I was trying to get to, I was trying to get back to Denver from Western Colorado. And when I got into Denver proper, you know, there was maybe six or seven miles left, but there was just congested traffic on the main road. And it, you know, my GPS kept saying, Oh, turn off here, turn off here. But I could see that everyone was doing that. So I just kind of forged my own path. I don't know how much time I saved, but you know, You might have your screen lock on. Yeah, I guess I do. Because you're... I'm sideways. You're not somehow. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because you're sideways in here, too. All right. I mean, as long as long as it's not making you seasick, because I'm not recording video. I'm just recording audio, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, yeah, the last one, we, we just did one on Monday, and it was uh, it was both, and it was kind of, kind of odd, because the guy had sort of waited out uh, the pandemic yep. and had done a podcast through the whole pandemic, because he didn't want to deal with Zoom and stuff. Right. Oh, 
Sorry. Yeah. And, uh, so he had to figure out all the technical stuff on the fly. Yeah. And we, we started like an hour late, but it was fine. Right. But, you know, we ended up recording it on Apollo. Okay. On an interface and then sent, sending him everything we had recorded. Uh, so now he's got to edit it all. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know um, my the producer of my podcast would prefer if I... Uh, if I did it on Zoom, but uh, I have such antiquated technology that Zoom kills my phone. It just shuts it down every time I try and open it. So it's just one of those things that because I tried doing that, too, with with this podcast in particular, you know, because, you know, having you you've been on this before where it's so much about the in-person conversation that I was like, ah, you know, this was back in March. I was like, I'm going to wait six weeks. And once this is over, I'll just get back to it. And, you know, here we are nine months later, uh, you know, I, I first, you know, I first decided I was only when I was going to do it digitally, I was like, I'm only going to talk to people who I've already had on the podcast because, you know, I kind of already know the face to face conversation with those people. But then uh, I had a couple opportunities to talk to some people I had never talked to before that may not have happened because, you know, one guy was in Seattle and then one guy was in L.A., so we just uh, we did it over here, but I do I do still once you know I don't want to say once things get back to normal, but once we establish a new safe normal, I uh, I do want to get back to doing it face to face. But this is you know this will do the trick for now. Yeah, everything is kind of on hold. Yeah, I mean, we had a tour plan, and we would have uh, we would have considered uh, you know swinging through. Uh, to see our friend uh, Juan, who has got a really great podcast as well, yeah, um, and that's the one we did on Monday. And we met him at the old Timeout Lounge. I don't know if you ever went there in Phoenix, or I guess it's in Tempe. Tempe. I don't think I ever went there. And we did a whole there. Yeah, it was. It's nothing great, but it used to be a place that had a lot of podcasts there for some reason. Gotcha. We've done like three there. <laughs> so we. I was like, oh, well, it's conducive. I know it'll work. Let's just meet there. We had a show. Uh, but yeah, you just have to roll with stuff because everything's different. Everything's new. Yeah. So you guys had a vaccine coming. Say it again. No, I was like, hopefully with the vaccine, things will stabilize a little bit. But yeah. So you guys had a, a, a tour that was going to include parts of the U.S.? Yes, we were going to go from um, Tucson all the way through Colorado into Idaho, Portland, down the coast, San Francisco. We had shows in like Sonoma and um, San Francisco. We had a show booked and all stuff. Gotcha. It's going to be cool, but you know everything's on hold. Yeah, yeah. So. I think I think a lot of people at the beginning of the year were saying 2020 is going to be a cool year, and you know, the year had other plans. <laughs> but I, it's funny to go back and see people complaining about 2019 and what a lame year it was, and they had just no idea what a lame year was. Right. You know, this is historically pandemic, uh, world global depressions, world wars, stuff like that. Those are those are historically lame years. Right. <laughs> those are. Really bad, right? You know, um, in regular. Hey, hey how's it going? 
I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just uh, a, a rare day off. So tried to do some tried to do some errands beforehand and got stuck behind the uh, the drawbridge. <laughs> yeah. But like we were saying that's a that's important <laughs> phenomenon as well. That'll happen to you now. Yeah. But also would freak me out street up in the air. What's that? <laughs> it would freak me out to see the street in the air. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Into the room, going up into the air every time. I just it wasn't something I was ever used to seeing. So. Yeah. Oh, that was your first time seeing a drawbridge? <laughs> Well, like that, like the ones they have there. Yeah. The ones in Florida are all metal. So it's just this grate that goes up in the air. But there, it's like the whole damn highways. Yeah. Yeah. This, something go up. Yeah. This one, like, this, this one just, up. this one just goes straight up. It doesn't do the whole, you know, the whole um, 45 degree thing. Yep. But it was. Yeah, there's a lot of old ones. Yeah. It was, um, it was funny because when I was living in Arizona, I came back here one year um, for a summer, and uh, I had kind of a ritual where I would always, um, you know, because I'm in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and it's right next to Kittery, Maine. There's just a bridge in between them, and, you know, it's not a long bridge. It's maybe, you know, four city blocks long, and I would just walk from Portsmouth to Kittery and back, um, you know, because it was just a fun, like, oh, I'm in another state now, and then walk back. And so when I was back here, I was just, I got a coffee and started walking, wasn't even looking ahead. And then I look up, and the bridge is gone, like, completely gone. There's, It's not up. It's just gone. And I was like, what the hell? And it's like, you know, there's a sign. Um, the bridge was removed at this point. It'll be coming back, you know, in this month or whatever. And I said to all my friends, I was like, come nobody told me the bridge was gone. They're like, oh, yeah, they're putting a new one in. So that was, yeah, and then when I moved back here, the new one was there. I mean, I guess it was only gone for four or five months, but I happened to be here for that. So, yeah. yeah that's, that'll throw you off. Yeah, for sure. The whole damn bridge. Well, and it's, you know, it's funny because, it, like I said, it's not that far from, it's not that far distance-wise, but obviously I can't jump that. I'm not going to do it. So I was like, well, there goes my plans today. So, yeah. <laughs> At least they didn't tear it down while you were on the other side, and you. That's true. Couldn't get back. That's true. That would have been a whole other story. Yeah, exactly. So where where are you guys now? Are you in? Are you in? You're not in Italy now, right? No, we're in. Uh, we're in Switzerland. Okay. We're in Switzerland. Okay. This is our apartment here in Switzerland, uh, Basel, Switzerland, to be specific. Nice. You can see our. This is our home studio. Nice. Yeah. Uh, interface and these things are actually full of soundproofing. Oh, cool. So we have a monitor with the monitor, so Regula can sit in her. I call that her kitty cat seat. Curls <laughs> <laughs> up like a cat in this because all her projects there. Nice. When you get to see the video coming out, you'll see this guy. Now, is that the guy that's on the cover as well? Uh, a variation on that. He's on the back cover. Okay. Um, but the one that's in the cover is uh, modeled after uh, a famous all clay painting. Yeah. Uh, and it just looks like this big African mask. And I thought it'd be funny to have him come to life. And 
and so you see him from the side, which is not the way the painting is. Right. Uh, but it's funny because a scholar of Paul Clay wrote us from Chicago and said, how do I get a hold of this album? I love Paul Clay. I have every, every album that's ever been done yep. with the Paul Clay uh, reference or Paul Clay art. And he said there was over 75 oh, wow. works. I had no idea. I knew of like two. Yeah. <laughs> a classical piece, jazz piece. So he was like, give me a copy of this. So he already, he already bought it, pre-ordered it. Um, but he recognized the face yep. as that famous Paul Clay painting immediately. Um, but yeah, in the video, it'll come to life. I had these ideas of doing like almost a diorama mm-hmm. work using the little figure that I showed you. And it just didn't didn't really come out sure sure <laughs> i was imagining wallace and Gromit, and i didn't really right <laughs> um and i had this crazy idea of attaching a gopro to that figure and running around town and filming yeah with him kind of like your stormtrooper thing right right so uh <laughs> um now, now it's boba fett yeah boba no no now it's uh now it's yoda yoda yeah i've seen yoda a couple of times yeah yeah it's good yeah, it's basically. Yeah, I may still do that. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's uh, I don't know. I people <laughs> people seem to get a kick out of you know a uh, an inanimate object being like moved around the world because then it sort of gives it a life to it to itself. So, mm-hmm. right, right. I actually had someone. See, uh, what's that? Amelie. Yeah. The film Amelie, where where she sends postcards from the lawn gnome. Yeah, yeah. All over the world. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Lacey, who I had moved to Arizona with, was the one who turned me on to that film, and I was just texting with her last night. I because she saw you guys play at the Mile High a few times. I was like, "Oh, I'm uh, podcasting right. with the Upper Strata again." So she said to say hello. So it was all full circle. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. She's still in Jerome. She is. Still in Jerome. She's actually left a couple times and come back, but she's going to, uh, I want to say, the Yavapai School of, uh, you know, the the wine school, but she's going to school for viticulture. Uh, It's either at that one or one of the other schools, and I'm a terrible friend for not remembering, but, you know, it is what it is. So, And she's working in a couple vineyards, but, yeah, she worked for... um, uh, Maynard's Vineyard for a while, and she's working for another one now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Regular's working for a wine and spirit company, and she puts together a magazine. For oh, them. oh, that's cool. And that's what she does over here. So kind of everybody's moving into that industry. All that, all the drunks, all the winos, sure, move into the wine industry. Get to the source, right? All the drunks and the winos. What are you calling me? <laughs> Well, it was funny when, you know, when we had the shutdown here um, in the first half of the year, you know, because I work for a grocery store, uh, like I was never out of work, but it was also, you know, because I, and it really bothers me being called an essential worker because I'm like, my job didn't change and I'm just, you know, I, I just happen to work at a place that sells food. So whatever, I'm like, it's not the same as, you know, an EMT or a, or a, or a frontline doctor or nurse. But uh, I also thought it was funny that all the, the wineries around here were considered essential as well. So they got to stay open. Yeah. 
But a lot of them started making hand sanitizer because uh, I guess they used a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the distillery equipment is used, you know, to make hand sanitizer. So they did that. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know what, what uh, yeah. How, how's the year been for you guys over there? Um, well, um, I broke my collarbone back in last December. Okay. So I started the year kind of incapacitated. Yeah. And at hospitals and stuff. As this pandemic is growing, I'm at hospitals and things. Not cool. Yeah. Uh, we got it a lot earlier than you guys. We got it about a month earlier. Whatever happens here seems to happen in the States like a month later. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we, hit, we got hit with the travel ban to not be able to go. Uh, yeah. To the states, so that already kind of strange. We had to rebook flights and things, um, but because it sort of cooled down for a little bit and things were sort of uh, under control and sort of uh, the numbers were kind of coming down, we were able to go to Hamburg. We went to Sicily. Yep. We went and recorded the album in northern Italy, mm-hmm. which was the epicenter for a little while there. Horrible stuff going on in northern Italy, but. We were able to rent this little church and go record the album there. Um, so we were able to get out and do some things uh, that you guys in the States, you know, forget it. You're right. not, where are you going to go? I mean, you've got national parks. You've got amazing things in America, but you're not going international. Nobody wanted you guys. But, right. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, we got hit really, really hard and things, everything shut down. And so we spent a lot of time just sitting around feeling like it was the end of the world um, yeah. and that's that it flavored the album you know the song the la- one of the last songs on the album uh, Bittersweet Place is you know the refrain is about watch the end of the world from the safety of my window it really kind of felt like that sure because it was like deserted street um, you know European life it's uh, marketplaces and it's uh, crammed trams and buses and everything is a lot more social. It's not like shopping malls where everybody has this huge idea of space. Right. There's a lot of hustle uh, back to the middle ages, you know? And, uh, so that has really scared and, and, and jostled people to not be able to have that social interaction, everything from museums to, to, uh, concerts and all of it. I mean, the year before there were just incredible amounts of concerts, festivals open air festivals in basel we went to a bunch of them right there was one where there's a stage on the river on the rhine yeah there was one where there was a stage on a boat there's another where there was a stage in a big park looking down on the Rhine. all that gone we're famous for a carnival yeah here it's actually recognized by unesco because it's one of the most unique carnival uh celebrations in the world right so Totally canceled. Right? Yeah. So, so, I mean, so they made hand sanitizer out of the beer that they didn't drink at Carnival. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, since she's liquor and, and wine, her company's gone gangbusters. Right? They've gone crazy. Yep. Um, like they had Black Friday weeks during the pandemic. You know. Yeah. Um, that kind of those kind of numbers. But uh, so it's been strange, uh, but it was interesting in the summer to kind of feel like it was over. Yeah. Feel like we were getting a reprieve. 
we were still very cautious, but I mean, you're in Sicily, you're looking at ancient ruins, you're having incredible food. Yeah. Kind of hard to feel like, well, we're sort of out of it. We're still getting to do things. Um, but that was hard to be able to not go to the States. So, yeah, um, that was, that was a little rough, but you know, we're getting by. I'm teaching English now and then sometimes for kids, sometimes for adults at a little learning center. That's been fun. That's been a learning experience to learn English. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, Americans don't really know English. Right. When you, when you just speak English, you don't really understand why you say what you say. And I'm having to explain irregular verbs to these people. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't make this stuff up. Right. I know it's a mess. <laughs> and one woman yesterday, I had class yesterday, and she's like, my son says I used to go to the movie, but I used a pen, and I am used to using the pen. <laughs> She's like, how? Yeah. Why? Yeah. How is this all the same word? And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah. We did a whole lesson on the word use oh. <laughs> because it's such a disaster. And don't get me going on thorough or enough or right any of these words that look like true right such a mess so you teaching in person or is it remote or is it both still in person and yeah. sometimes like we have a nurse and she zooms in okay because she's frontline and she's around patients so she just does a zoom thing sure yeah one guy who just canceled out he's like i'm too old i'm not gonna risk it yeah but i wear a mask students all wear a mask i sanitize all the desks and things like this but um the school actually yeah it was all zoom for a while mm -hmm. and that picked up again so uh, but it's weird i mean you're there with all these kids and now all the kids have masks on and we and i have a mask on and yeah class starts have to go through and sanitize everything and send the kids to their wash their hands first thing you know and just you get used to it, though. Yeah. Just a different routine, but strange. But, uh, Did you? uh, well, I'm not teaching English. I would fail miserably at that, I think. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, where I work, we, well, now New Hampshire specifically has, you know, a statewide mask mandate. Um, we're not as locked down as, say, California or some of the other states, but, um, there's a mandate. I mean, when I was out in I was out in Colorado in October, and I have another friend from Jerome who now lives in Taos, New Mexico. And um, when, you know, I saw you guys three years ago on my road trip, and I stayed with her uh, at some point after seeing you guys, and I was going to visit her again. But uh, the county that she was in put a severe lockdown, so if you didn't live in that county or didn't have work there. And you like, if you had work, you had to provide documentation that you were actually supposed to be working there. But she was just like, yeah, dude, you, you, you can't come in. Uh, it's, they'll just turn you around. So, you know, it was, it is what it is. But, um, where I work, um, we had been doing safety measures before the state put them into place. And it's interesting cause you know, it's a, it's a corporate, uh, thing but it's really kind of their their the way they operate is they leave it up to each store to kind of run 
what's best for them, which works great in normal everyday operations. It's not micromanaged, but the flip side is, um, you know, there hasn't been a consistent, this is how we're doing cleaning. This is how we're doing safety. So every store's kind of been on their own to kind of figure out how, how that's going to work. So, but, um, I hear from, I hear from customers all the time compared to like every other, uh, grocery retailer that it's, they feel a lot safer there. And it's funny cause I feel like I get so used to how we do it there that whenever I go shopping anywhere else now, I start getting just anxiety cause it's kind of like a free for all in most other places. But, right. um, you know, most people are wearing masks. I mean, most businesses here, uh, require masks. So it's, it's almost it's almost shocking to this point when I'm out and about and, you know, in a place where there's people and I see someone walking around without a mask. It's like it's almost like seeing someone walking outside without any pants on or something. I'm just like, wait, what what's happening? <laughs> but it's also, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, two, two of my brothers live in Europe and um, they've always talked about the differences between. Europe and the U S and kind of how ridiculous the U S is how we handle stuff. And this is the first year where I've often been embarrassed to be an American by the way that we've handled it. And it's, you know, turned into this political thing and, you know, wearing masks is, is a sign of weakness. And I'm just like, that's it. I don't know. It's just, it's a gross, gross. Really? Gotcha. Yeah, there've been uh, there've been protests against wearing masks and against the restrictions, and I would say it's kind of an even split. Yeah, um, but no, I don't know. I would say maybe twenty five percent of the population has just been real knuckleheads about it. Yeah, people she works with, some of them are knuckleheads, some of them are very conscientious. But even her boss and the people that run her company, are, they they could care less. Yeah, they just see it as a hassle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you see it around here too, where somebody, I was walking down the street with my mask on and I just, I just forgot I had it on. Mm-hmm. I came out of the classroom walking down the street and I still had it on and somebody made it sound like a sheep yeah. when they walked by me yeah. to make fun of me wearing a mask, you know? And I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah. Just, uh, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try to not get sick. I'm going to try to not get somebody else sick. It's just kind of logical. Well, that's the thing. I'm just like, well, first of all, even if there were scientific proof um, to the contrary that it didn't help at all, it's just, to me, it's, it's just as much about protecting other people as it is protecting myself. And, but it's, it's a sign of, uh, you know, caring about the welfare of other people as well. I'm like, I'm wearing a mask because if I'm infected, I don't want to get you sick. Um, and it, it, you know, it should be a reciprocal thing, but it's also to, cause I've had plenty of people yelling at me or making fun of me for wearing a mask in places where they're like, you don't have to wear a mask here. And I'm like, oh no, I'm, if I'm out and about around people, I'm going to be wearing a mask. But I don't know. I look at it as, you know, if, if you were, you know, if you saw someone, wearing, you know, a cross around their neck or a star of David or anything. And you pointed that out and made fun of them because you'd be considered a monster for mocking someone's religion. Right. But, you know, an analogy, out of that, like that, but, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's less evidence of that helping than <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's I don't know. There, there's a. I guess it's always been here in the states the cult of belief where oh this is what I believe so this is you know and it, and that that goes over into the well I believe that masks don't do anything great there's scientists that know that it does so that's why I'm doing it you know I, I I'm taking logic over belief right we just read a study that said that it, it still exposes you to small amounts of coronavirus but that actually helps you build up an immunity. Gotcha. Even though, uh, you know, you're you're dealing with the aerosols and, and things that are that are like big big particles of it, you're still getting a small amount potentially, and that actually helps you build up immunity. So, I mean, there's just all kind of benefits for it. Yeah. The people who are hemming and hawing about it, I just you know, I don't get it. I just. How is your brother Olin doing with it? Um, he's. I mean, he. I message with him and his family on thanksgiving um but he has two young kids so it was it was tough to get a whole lot of chatting and then you know i talked to him from time to time but when i talked to them the month before he said that they were getting ready to be on another lockdown like a more severe lockdown um he said there's not a lot of people out and about but um he's doing okay and then my older brother who lives in england um you know, one of his children has, uh, uh, like congenital, uh, uh, heart defects. And then his, his wife is immunocompromised. So th- th- they've basically been preparing for this for the last six years. Like this is how they live their life anyways. So that's like not really any change for them and they never really go out anyways. They've got five kids and his mother-in-law lives with them as well. So it's just a compound of people. So they just kind of all locked down. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, there was a while here where everything was deserted and there was no one on the train and nobody, and they were patrolling to make sure you weren't out on the streets. Right. It was pretty surreal. But um, most of it was voluntary. Yeah. You know, it was like, please, you know, some of it was, I mean, now clubs and bars are closed again. So, yeah. We're back in again. yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's some, you know, I, I worked at the History Museum in Colorado Springs, and I used to do that article in the newspaper that was like 25 years ago today, 50 years ago today, 100 right. years ago today. I would do a little blurb, and I was amazed because for whatever reason, I was actually there um, doing 100 years ago and uh, and dealing with and uh, reading about the pandemic from the last time yeah. when the guys were coming back from the First World War and it was it was spooky and strange to read about the descriptions of it then, uh, and then you know twenty years later to be living through it. Yeah, and re- remembering those. Oh yeah, that's right. Everything shut down. Everybody had masks on. Everybody was doing was the exact same stuff that it, it, you know you you would expect them to be saying nonsense like. Yeah, have some apple cider and put some rocks in your pocket, and it'll keep the the disease away. Already, but it was the exact same thing. Stay away from each other. Right. <laughs> Wear a mask. Wash your hands a lot. Uh, all theaters, all public gatherings were canceled and things. But I remember reading that, and thinking, "Wow, that would be something to live through." Yeah, that would be really spooky. And then here we go. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I don't know. Not, not that we wanted. No, no, 
Yeah, it's one of those things. I remember reading about World War II and the Great Depression, you know, when I was in high school and thinking, wow, my generation doesn't have any sort of like big event to unify and kind of talk about when we're older. And, um, and I, you know, 19 years ago, I thought after, you know, 9-11 happened, I was like, well, this is going to be our generation's thing, you know, or at least, you know, the Kennedy assassination when people were like, oh, I remember where I was when Kennedy was shot or when I found out. Right. And, you know, I've had that conversation with people about, you know, where were you the morning of September 11th? But I think this will definitely supersede that as, you know, this period of time when we all kind of put pause on our life and, you know, tried to get through it. Yeah. Well, and it raises some larger questions about globalization and about, you know, how does how does something like this run amok? And yeah. You know, how personal belief versus science versus, you know, all those sorts of, like, you can live in an alternative universe now where you get the worst nonsense off the internet and you believe that's reality. Right. But now you're putting your kids in danger. Now you're putting yourself in danger and other people in danger by believing some of this crackpot stuff. And right, um, this really kind of lifted the veneer on that stuff a little bit. Yeah. The next big thing is, you know, the conspiracy theories over the vaccine. Right. Because you already have this whole anti-vaxxer movement going on. Right. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's, that's a deep-seated, strange paranoia that's actually been going on for about 30 years yeah um i keep finding remnants of the anti-vaxxer movement in old films and things like this i watched a russian film called abigail the other day she should pick up it's like a um harry potter steampunk weird action adventure story with some fantasy elements anyway try to find abigail if you can i guess it was released in english as well okay not a great film, but really amazing looking. But the central premise is that the government is has made up a pandemic to control the people yep. and to keep everybody under lockdown. And they can lock away the magical people because they supposedly have the disease. And I was like, geez, this is an older movie. And it's uh, it sounds like the like the uh, conspiracy nuts now. Right. You know? Right. But it's about it was probably made about three years ago. So. Kind of odd. Yeah. I didn't realize that that's what the movie was going to be about when I put it on. And I got it on the library channel. And I was like, I was trying it for escapism. And now I'm in the middle. Of, right. You know, right. <laughs> Not much fun. But anyhow. What's been interesting in the last few months seeing commercials, um, you know, for, I, there's a Verizon commercial. There's a Geico commercial that come to mind that, um, you know, have people wearing masks. And I'm like. I get it that that's what we're all going through, but I'm like, I don't think anyone needs to be reminded. Like none of us have forgotten that this is going on. It's just a weird thing. I don't know. I find myself watching older movies where there's crowds and getting nervous. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, old concert footage. Yeah. Yeah. When you're just, shoulder to shoulder and dripping sweat on a stranger and, and not thinking twice about it. And I mean, I think about the fact that once we have a vaccine that's readily available to everyone and, you know, we start getting vaccinated and, you know, live shows start happening again, like how awkward everyone's going to be 
for the first, you know, however long, six months or whatnot, trying to just like, I mean, I think once concerts are able to happen again, I'm curious how many people will come out to them. Uh, I mean, you know, there, there are concerts happening now, but it's, it's the, a lot of, it's mostly the anti-masker, uh, you know, red hat wearing, uh, faction of society that's going anyways so and it's you know it's a lot of the music that caters to them anyways so uh yeah right but then we're seeing the super spreader yeah and then you see the inevitable spikes from that as well mm-hmm. so well i mean are we gonna have a whole generation of severe germ phobic people that actually are germ phobic for a reason you know they actually have a trauma they live through that's causing the phobia versus just a sort of irrational fear of germs. Right. I, I, I wonder about these things. I wonder about the kids coming up. Are they going to be really good at reading people's eyes? Right. Because they don't. <laughs> yeah. I wondered about that. Um, I've thought about that. If there's going to be a long-term uptick in eye contact because of all this, because certainly in the last 20 years, um, you know, people I know who are, you know, 20 years younger than me and in that area, there's a lot less eye contact than there was for my generation and older generation. So I wonder if that's going to, you know, bring an uptick to that or not. I don't know. Well, I mean, and you look at what was going on right before everybody was staring at their phone, right? Everybody was texting and things. I think every time you have a sort of technological advance, or so-called, you know, you lose something. So there's something lost with the with a phone conversation, yeah, with texting and emojis and stuff. It's like how how dumb can we make the language? Oh, let me send a smiley face instead of saying smile or be happy or something. You know, so yeah, we're back to like, pictograms now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. huh? Yeah, huh. right. You know, it's like cave art or something. So, I mean, yeah. So hopefully maybe some people picked up books because they were that desperately bored. Maybe, yeah. You know, maybe they were ending or something they wouldn't have done. I mean, hell, people are baking. Nobody does that. I've seen a lot more baking this year. Yeah. 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 There's hope, I think, in this. If people are baking because American bread sucks. Right. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. You have the standard of Wonder Bread and grocery store bread that is usually so bad. Not... Not Trader Joe's, right there. Everywhere else. My uh, my friend Rachel, who um, uh, she's a coworker of mine, who is also my birthday twin, uh, has you know she was baking before, but really took the downtime to just kind of perfect her art and just makes these beautiful, beautiful uh, you know breads. And she's she's been making more bread that she, than she can eat, so she'll gift them to people. But she got really into like creating the you know like designs on the top and stuff like that but because it was crazy for a little while um we were limiting people to one bag of flour per visit to the grocery store and we got to the point where uh some people were gifting her bags of flour because she couldn't buy enough flour to make all the bread that she wanted to make so (laughs) wow yeah yeah, our grocery stores all ran out of flour, ran out of uh, toilet paper. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't. I mean, the flour I get, but 
the toilet paper not so much. I mean, uh, and then hand sanitizer was gone before it even the epidemic even hit. Yeah, it was already for some reason all gone here. Yeah, um, and then there was a run on vitamins, like all all in one vitamins, like daily vitamins. Yeah, could not get them for like a month, where they were all sold out. I think word went around that that supposedly helped, and they just yeah they were gone, sold out, couldn't produce them. So strange things like that, but. I mean, hopefully, some people uh, didn't just spend the whole time watching Tiger King or something like this. You know, they, maybe they learned something. Maybe right. Picked up a new hobby. Yeah. Well, that was. Uh, uh, music and stuff, you know. Yeah. You can do music and things. We have hobbies already. So. <laughs> well, and you. People don't. You guys also have the fortune of, yeah, you know, you, you cohabitate with your bandmate. So, uh, it's, yeah, it, it makes it easier. Um, so the new, the new album, were you like, was that already in the works before the pandemic happened or was that, was that sort of born of, uh, well, we've got time on our hands. Let's work on music. Like, how did that come about? We're completely bored. (laughs) (laughs) Conceptually, um, the album started, uh, about eight years ago in um, in Phoenix and we had done the Dada themed album Cabaret War Tear and we were sort of looking around at other sources of inspiration I did a thing for school on the Bauhaus and I was like you know it's getting ready to be like a hundred year anniversary of the Bauhaus um, this mythical art school in Germany that um had all these amazing artists in it and things. So I started writing, we got these two big old uh, notepads and we started doing notes for the Bauhaus. We went and got stacks of books on the Bauhaus and things. And we carried that on when we got to Portland and we really got serious about it. Let's do our Bauhaus album. We're going to do it. And so I wrote a bunch of songs. I wrote a bunch of ideas. And one of them was Presents from the Sky, which ended up on the album. And in this journey... Um, I found this book called The Bauhaus Group from a fellow named Nichols uh, Fox uh, Weber. And uh, in the foreword of the book, he mentions that the artists from the Bauhaus got together, rented an airplane, built an angel, stuffed it with presents, attached a parachute to it, threw it out of the airplane for Paul Clay. And this just was fascinating to me, amazing. And so I started writing the lyrics of... of, uh, presence from the sky um and uh, we were still working on fog and i was already developing presence from the sky and floating free and a couple of the other songs um and so it was sort of it was like on the back burner already when we were doing fog yeah um, but it had started conceptually way way before yeah and most of that stuff uh, will probably never be produced you know it's just ideas that we kicked around and things um and presence from the sky though ended up being this sort of result of i had this idea for sort of this epic 15 minute song and then decided it would be better served to break it into its individual components and develop them so so really um floating free presence from the sky loop elk or originally one song oh okay and, uh, live we play it like that 
live there's no pause it's just we roll right through them yeah and um You'll notice that if you listen to Presence from the Sky at the end of the bridge, it goes back into Floating Free for a bar. I did notice that. Just plays it. Yeah, so it's sort of a reprise. So I, I was conceptually kind of seeing it as one long yeah. song about Paul Clay. Done. And then it turned into an album, but you know, we started having some other ideas. and As we tend to do, I imagine it maybe being an EP of just one long song. Yeah. You know? But other things happened. Uh, the one that was a direct result of the pandemic, though, was Bittersweet Place. Gotcha. Because of like a, that line about um, watch the end of the world. Um, but I had this idea. That one's about Paul Clay on his deathbed. You know. Yeah. I'll try to keep it upbeat, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's he um, he did a painting. It's a beautiful painting. It's in it's in Bern at his museum Central yeah. Paul Clay uh, it's called The Bittersweet Island um, and he was of German descent he was German national had to go fight in the First World War because of that taught in Germany for all you know born in Switzerland but because his father was German he was German right so he he went and most of his time there because of his Un, he had a genetic disorder, which gave him a kind of strange face, and it caused him a lot of migraines and problems. And the hacks, the Nazi hacks of doctors there, thought uh, during that time that he had uh, he had these problems because he was a mixed race. So they put him on a blacklist. Yep. He's a mixed race. He's probably gypsy. We don't know what he is. Don't let him teach. He was barred from teaching it, and he fled back to Switzerland. Hmm. But he saw it as being on a safe island, away from the Third Reich and all of that, but not really able to do what he wanted to do in life. Right. The bittersweet island, and so that was—that's the whole narrative of that song. That he's this cog, it's fallen out of the machinery, get back into the machinery. You can't teach. You can't exhibit. Yeah. Even to the point of his being burned and things, you know. Yeah. Put on a bonfire. So, but that was the one. That, but then recording it, the bare bones of it was during a pandemic. Gotcha. During the lockdown. Starting to work on the first video. We did a lot of it during the lockdown. Because uh, the animation takes so long. Right. It's so painful. Right. So we did. We, it's like a one-woman Pixar. It takes thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's it. I mean, she she mixed it. She put a lot of the. There's amazing like electronic elements to the whole thing. It's all her. Yeah. Um, all the drum beats, all of the production is is her. Yeah. Uh, and then the you know the last track of um, the monsters abound. We had written. Uh, about a mad captain leading a country, uh, I'm sorry, a ship, <laughs> onto the rocks. And uh, it was supposed to be an analogy for, for Hitler and the Third Reich. Right. To keep with the narrative, but of course you can draw some modern parallels. Sure. Like, but at any rate, we had written several versions of it and even recorded one when we got to Italy. And there was this grand piano and she couldn't leave it alone. Czech piano sitting in the middle of this church. 
And so every morning she'd get up and play it and play it. And I was like, that's some cool stuff. And I realized that the lyrics of that song would work to one of the things she was playing. And I'm like, just, just record it. We'll just, we'll just wing it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then we just throw it out. Nobody ever hears right. it. And so that, that came about because of recording with the grand piano in Italy. So that place was cool too. Piemont's amazing. It's not a place tourists go to. Yeah. It's not a, there's no reason to, it's a farm. It's just farmland. Right. It's famous for its goat cheese and veal and wine. Yeah. But, uh, amazing food, incredible landscape. Um, but like we were the only tourists where we went all regular people and uh this church had been a performance space and uh art gallery too and she found it on airbnb and so we rented it and brought all of our equipment down and as we did with fog fog we recorded in a boathouse in norway right um and then we recorded an acoustic album in oregon in a log cabin (laughs) so we're like this is fun because it influences what you do and it Sure. It's kind of a way to escape, concentrate. So yeah, you guys didn't. I know that you wrote. Um, I know that you wrote at least one song when you were staying in the the little church in Jerome, but you never recorded there, did you? We didn't record there. In a, you know, that kind of started the the process. I yeah. think Because I I thought, wow, we wrote a song about the birdcage, right? Uh, casino our saloon burning down a press basket. And uh, we record, I, I wrote that song at the, the what was the St. Michael's hotel there? Uh, the, what was it, what's it called? It was, the box. I forget what it's called. Cause no, no, not that. Oh, oh yeah, the, the powder yeah. box church. Yeah, that, that, right. No, I wrote sitting stubborn from the album. Uh, fantastic pigeonholes there yeah and a little bit of bird cages burning and uh i think there might have been some a couple of other songs that that we kind of worked on from that time yeah but yeah it's been amazing to sit there and because uh bird cages burning we played it on acoustic she played it on acoustic bass yeah the drums on the table yeah so we totally could have done that right <laughs> at the back church but um, I think that planted the idea of going somewhere and writing and having that kind of uh, experience of concentrating on writing and going away, changing your environment. Because that view from up there, looking at the red rocks of like Sedona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, creepy the first night, but then when the sun came up, it was great. We didn't want to leave ever. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Because sitting stubborn, it's in the the opening line is uh, sleeping in a haunted old church. Yeah, I had originally done that as sleeping in the powder box church. Yeah, but I thought no one's going to know what the hell that is. Right, right. It doesn't mean anything to anyone who doesn't know the Mile High. Right, right. <laughs> well, everybody in Jerome knows that, that story. I think. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, and you really can't see the power boxes too. What's that? There. You really can't see the power boxes, the Acme, yeah, dynamite boxes. 
you're in the church. It's crazy. Yeah. Couple spot. Yeah, it was uh, when when Liz Gale uh, told me the whole history of the building. It was just it, it amazed me. Yeah. 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 So, do you consider that, that time period? Go ahead. <laughs> that was that time period we were playing saloons. Yeah. Like at the Copper Queen, haunted hotels. Yeah. You know, the Mile High, which is also haunted. Right? Yeah. So, yep. Uh, that, that was our experience at that time running around Arizona playing all these crazy shows. So. Well, it was funny because I had, uh, had a. Uh, Interesting, you know, I've uh, had a friend and coworker who last year had like a little supernatural experience and um, was sharing it with some some friends and some of them were getting freaked out. And then a couple of people commented that they're like, you don't seem really that shaken up by this, Scott. And I was just like, no, I lived in a I lived in a ghost town for three years. And I was like, I've, I've seen way worse than that. I was like, that that's nothing. That's fine. I was like, not to diminish her experience, but I was like, it takes more than that to to freak me out. So, yeah. 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 The stories we heard the Copper Queen alone were blood-curdling in some of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, there's there's strange, strange energies in that whole, in that whole area. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think uh, that influenced what we wrote at that time, for sure. I mean, um, it just that song, Sitting Stubborn, in particular, and then also uh, Birdcage is Burning, where it's talking about the Birdcage saloon burning down and on a Friday night, imagining what that must have been like. And, yeah. But I was just talking about all the gunslingers that hung out in Prescott and yep. Tombstone and wherever. It's an adventure. For sure. For sure. So, uh, Luap Elk, is that how you say the, the name of the new, new record? Yeah. Do you, um, is it, is it a full length? Is it an EP? Uh, it's because it's seven songs, right? Seven songs is just about 30 minutes. Okay. So, um, we were going to do it on vinyl, so we wanted to keep the side lengths yeah. shorter to be able to keep the volume higher and keep it from having that volume drop when you have too much right. too much on each side. Um, and so we had other stuff that we were kind of dinking around with, but we were like, no, no, let's just keep it to the Paul Clay stuff yeah. and then keep it uh, keep the sides short. Um, so about 15 minutes aside. Yeah. Um, which I, I mean, technically, I think anything more than eight minute dance mix is a, is an, is an album, you know? Right. Uh, so <laughs> it's such a, it's I mean, it like, it, well, it's weird how, I mean, when I first started heavily getting into, you know, collecting my own music was in the early nineties and, you know, bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers put out a 17 track, like 72 minute album. And, you know, but in the 70s, people were released, you know, Ze- Zeppelin, Sabbath were releasing five and six song albums that were 32 minutes. So it's all all depends on kind of how you 
how you look at it. Because also, you know, the Misfits will put out, you know, they were putting out 12 song albums, but they're only 22 minutes long because the songs are a minute and a half each. <laughs> so it's really like, you know, length doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, I don't know. I, I've always felt that people kind of dismiss the EP as like a kind of a, a castaway format. Well, here's some stuff that didn't have a home on a real recording. So, but this, I mean, obviously this has a cohesion to it and it was a, you know, you guys had a plan for it. So, um, uh, I was just wondering how you looked at it or if you haven't even thought about it in that manner. Well, there were other songs that, um, we were working on as well, but we didn't want to, put it on the album because we wanted to keep it as one one concept, one idea um, not like all the other albums that we've done where we threw every genre right. in the world on one album Yeah. yeah. well and, and conversely um, Neon Glitz as I conceived it was about 12 songs but when we decided to do it on vinyl, that just wouldn't have worked for the format without having to pay a ton of money to do a double album. Right. And those extra songs. And so it was like, well, these songs have to go and we'll make another album with songs that didn't go. And that just never happened. But, um, Oh wait, we had one more song that could have gone on. Which one? Analogous. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, an idea about, um, color theory the Bauhaus yep. um, it was more like a joke idea yeah well you know analog- analogous colors stick to each other so we had this goofy song about analogous stick to you cause I'm analogous <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> later later maybe we'll do a whole color wheel album no 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 <laughs> <laughs> just keep on the artsy thing right, right. So. but um no, uh, you know, it's, I see it as like one long work that everything everything has a, a chapter to it. Everything has a point. Starting from zero was the, the the mantra of the Bauhaus after the devastation of the First World War. They said civilization's gone amok. Time to start over. So let's start from zero and and start with art. And we'll rebuild minds and bodies and the nation uh, through art. And then floating free is kind of this uh, the whimsical quality of Paul Clay's work. He he did these strange little creatures and twittering machines and, and odd things. But to me, it was um, you know it'd be like if you came over and said, "Hey man, uh, let's play with some Legos," and I'm like, ah, "All right, that could be fun, I guess." But really, why don't people? as adults play with Legos right. with or coloring or drawing or something. It's because your imagination is kind of gone. You can't really go with it anymore. And so floating free is this idea of don't lose that yeah. connection, drawing that childlike connection. So that's why there's this line about the cosmos wild and the boundless child, you know, that you could be, you, you should hang on to that as long as you can. And to me, the, the, images that I would as I got older I had fewer and fewer dreams where I was able to fly and what is that about and I'm getting more and more rational as I get older and I'm bouncing the ground so um, so that was sort of uh, 
that was like the intro to Paul Clay. Yep. And from the sky is the birthday present, the birthday party. And then Lou Pelk is really like the biographical song about Paul Clay. Yeah. And his, his, uh, uh, seeking nature, seeking inspiration from nature, from mythology, from ancient art. He loved to travel. Uh, he was in Africa and the Middle Eastern. He, and he would see these things and he would incorporate it into his art. And you can see that. Um, but like I said, those, those three songs were really one piece in my mind and then I broke them up. And then, of course, Bittersweet Island, Bittersweet Place is the end of Paul Clay, sadly. You know, he's, he's fading, he's going away. Because you felt like you had to end the story, right? But... Um, the real eyeball in there, though, is Pearl and Shell, which she loves, and because it's all about the bass, right? Right. Bassy's, <laughs> and I, I imagine it more like Chameleons UK, new wavy type song. Yeah. She came at it with this. I'm like, oh, I don't want to fight that. That's good. Let's right. Let's go with that. So it evolved into what it, you know, into being this Muscle Shoals backbeat. Yep. With uh, the heavy bass, and I just hammed it up. I'm like, well, I'm gonna go like Goldfinger, you know, Bassett vocals, and just Amy Winehouse do the whole schmoozy lounge singer right. approach to it, because that's where it is. And uh, but thematically, it still fits in because of uh, it has references to the bittersweet island painting again. Right. Um, the idea is that. But so long story short, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one piece. Um, and uh, as, as that, I, I feel like it's an album. Yeah. But like you get these, these ideas of, but we, we definitely had those ideas too with, with Shadow Upon the Snow. Those were orphan songs. Yeah. What do we do with them? Let's make an EP. Right. We had started trying to make a full-length album, and we abandoned Chip and said, ah, let's just pee it. Yep. My song's done. So, yeah, I, I definitely understand that. And I guess I feel self-conscious about the term EP as well, and it's maybe why I'm fitting it. Sure. <laughs> well, it's always, always interesting, like, <laughs> when I see career like retrospectives or like people like going through a band's entire discography, you know, like rating albums and stuff like that. Oftentimes the EPs are just gone. Like they're not included in it at all. And a lot of times, um, I don't know, some of the bands that I like kind of do take riskier chances on EPs and some of their most interesting work comes out on stuff like that. For sure. For sure. Well, if it's not so precious, if it isn't bound to a concept, then you may be able to um, genre jump and yeah, and, and just oh, well, this this is really great, but it just didn't fit with that album. It didn't fit with the album that came after it. Let's put it out anyhow. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's just one weird animal. Yeah. So, Shadow Shadow on, upon the Snow was like that for us. Yeah. It was the end of our kind of Americana thing. <laughs> yeah going into something else right more of a dance beat and so those songs are all over the place <laughs> well there's definitely of that. there's definitely been i mean you know the first song on this album has a you know because instrumental and it has a very uh 
cinematic feel to it. I mean, there's definitely the, and it's been a progression from the last few records that you guys have done, but there's been, um, I think maybe some people who, you know, I, I can think of some people who I know from like Jerome who, you know, maybe saw you guys play it at the mile high um, eight or 10 years ago and where it was just primarily acoustic based, just the two of you. And if they were to hear this new record, would be like, whoa, that's the same. That's the same band because right. uh, definitely more electronic elements, but it seems more, I don't know, I, I, I've seen it kind of come through naturally through the progression of the music that you guys have done since then. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. Well, and we kind of broke that taboo a little bit on Bob yep. with instrumental songs. Cause that was the first time we ever did that. And those were just like experiments sitting around on a day off. Well, let me throw this beat in there. Let me try this. Let me try right. This. And I, I just have done tons of these, and most of them will never be heard, right? They never, they don't even get finished. And, and that was one that I just felt like, ah, it's kind of precious to me, very cinematic. Mm-hmm. makes me feel like it should be in a film, or film music. And how do we get this to be sync licensed? Good enough, <laughs> good enough to, to be sync licensed to make us money. Um, right. But uh, I, I brought it in. She took away different parts and played them herself and she took away loops that I had just added and she she played her own parts and and it became collaborative but that one I think would fit on Flog yeah or even Neon Glitz uh, and same with the last one the piano one yeah I think would fit on Fog nicely so there are some elements like transitional elements but then Presence from the Sky Le Belk this that's a departure right for sure right from the last couple albums but the key was the acoustic guitar yeah because we had this plan to go on tour and only take an acoustic and uh the dobro style resonator right and then an acoustic and that that would be our tour yeah so i was working on those songs thinking of them and how am i going to do them live as acoustic songs and it developed into this whole album. Yeah. But they were all, they all have that acoustic core and they feel more natural when I play them on acoustic. Anyhow, live, we can play them on acoustic. Yeah. So that already is a big departure from the last couple albums, which were all like cello and string sounds. Yeah. Eight string Schechter, that's what I've been playing, like Mr. Metal Guitar, right? Right. Like, in a. I put like funny stickers on it to make sure, like uh, my pretty pony stickers on it to get rid of the demonic energy. Ma- yeah, make sure people don't know that you're you're not thinking that you're sacrificing a goat before each show. <laughs> That's it on yeah. stage nightly. Yeah. No, I actually had it happen when we were playing somewhere in Arizona, and I brought that brought the sh- the eight string out. And the people at the bar looked over and went, oh, it's about to get heavy in here. <laughs> oh, it's about to get real. It's about to get real. Like, oh, that thing is only used for one thing, and it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were surprised that we didn't sound metal at right. all, right? Well, the, um, but I'm probably the only guy out there playing that thing without, that doesn't do just... just right. <laughs> the new... Um, 
Deftones put out a new album a couple months ago, and there was like a big to-do made about the fact that the guitar player was playing a nine-string guitar on that record. Yeah. Which was, I also think it was funny because he just was outed as as a flat earther, which I'm like, you've, you're in an international touring act. Like you've literally flown all over the world and you think it's flat. I, I don't even, I can't even, I, I can't even understand that. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So you got to put some goofy stickers, gorillas, gorillas. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I love this thing. Uh, it's the nicest guitar I've ever owned. Uh, it has EMG, so the active pickups. Um, uh, and it really, really responds to the effects. Yeah. The guitar plays quite well. You don't feel like it's changing the effects. It's the pure effect. And since I didn't want it to sound like guitar at all. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. So, I guess working at Guitar Center for a while paid off. Last thing I wanted. <laughs> last thing I wanted was to sound like you know. I didn't want to sound right. like guitar at all. So, um, got all these effects that let you sound like cello or strings. Right. Things. So right. Sometimes you think you're hearing synthesizer on the album. It's actually guitar with the synth pedal. So. See, I got the synth pedal now too. She does. She's got a really cool one. It's a uh, it's a it's a genuine the synthesizer in microform, mm-hmm. and the trigger is big. So instead of using a keyboard, you're just sending the notes in, and it arpeggiates. It's floating free. It's not floating free. It's on a couple of songs. Uh, Bittersweet Place. You can hear it in the background a little bit. But we're gadget nuts. I right. Guess. Right. So that so the album comes out on December eighteenth. Is that correct? Yes, officially, which is Paul Clay's birthday, right? Um, and look, Elk is Paul Clay spelled differently, and yeah. that was a, like a little art, uh, artsy joke of his. He would sign things with Lou Elk if he didn't want people necessarily know who it was. Right? It was like a, a joke to the Bauhaus. Um, and. Uh, but his birthday was the, is the 18th of December, so we thought it'd be a fun, yeah, fun thing to have. And especially since the video for "Presence from the Sky" is, you know, centered around his birthday party, yeah, 50th birthday party, any presents for him uh, from an airplane. So it, it all kind of tied together again, you know, just like it's a concept album. It's like the, the quasi marketing is all, <laughs> all tied into it. so. But we got mentioned in the Basel newspaper for it, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. We were we're going to be on a radio show next Wednesday or next Tuesday, um, like the, the local community station, but a decent amount of listeners. Um, yeah, so stuff's working. Um, we have some shows booked in May in the states, but I don't know if we can go. To see. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Where, yeah. where in the states? Sonoma, uh, California. 
it's some of the shows that we booked for what was it October or September we just swapped the dates to May okay um, but we have to see if it's ever gonna happen yeah I mean it's still it's still a travel ban right for Europeans so that has to change <laughs> yeah and then uh, I mean I can get in she can so that's right. not gonna work yeah um We'll have to see, and hopefully with the vaccine, things will calm down. Yeah, things will stabilize. Yeah. Otherwise, we all got used to streaming online and watching concerts online, right? Without just other people gripping on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, if someone's listening to this and they want to hear Lou up elk or any of your previous work, what's the what's the preferred format? You 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 where would you send them to check it out? Bandcamp or elsewhere? Uh, Bandcamp to, to stream it and buy it. Buy the vinyl? You, there's going to be a real limited edition red vinyl. I saw that. Um, that won't be out till February because it takes a few months sure. to make that. Um, but that would be, you can already pre-order that. Yep. Uh, so people have. And then with that, you get streaming and a companion. You know, the Fog companion we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working on one for Louis Belk as well. Have lyrics, have some more artwork, have biographical stuff about Paul Clay and about and the Bauhaus and things. Um, so something to sit and stream yeah. and hold in your hand and read. So good times. Um, but yeah, it, it, we're on Spotify. Um, iTunes, YouTube, everything. So, title, uh, Rhapsody. We're on about eighty different platforms. So, you you know, for streaming. Yeah, I think I bought. I think I bought yeah. Fog on Amazon on the Amazon digital streaming service. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, CD Baby as well. That's you know we still go through that. They don't sell any. But um. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you should. Every time you leave the house, you should put our album on title on on repeat. Yep. So that we can make more money. Rack up the <laughs> rack up the plays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who yeah. t- told me uh, she liked to listen to this podcast to go to sleep that she found the sound of my voice soothing. She's like, I don't mean you put me to sleep, but it's very soothing. But she said, and then I wake up in the morning and have to find the place where I left off. I'm like, that's fine by me. Cause it counts as two plays for me. So I was like, keep doing it. Yes. <laughs> keep those checks coming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Well, and it's funny because, um, we'll get, we'll just get a notice out of the blue that we've made money off of stuff. And, uh, um, sync licensing has been good for us. Yeah. Uh, the songs that are a little more instrumental, people use them for their websites or whatever they're using them for, and then we get the royalties on it. Um, but that's kind of why we did Fog also as an instrumental version to try right. to want people to sync license it. So it's like, oh, they like the instrumental type songs. Let's do a whole instrumental album. Sure. But. Yeah kind of a marketing play but I have a friend who says it, it likes to do yoga to it because it's relaxing and another friend says uh, that he likes to go to sleep to it as well right like he puts on 
fog instrumental and it puts them to sleep. So whatever. I actually, I have a, I have a sleep mix on my phone to fall asleep to because I can't fall asleep to silence. And there's a couple tracks from there. I mean, it's like I've got, you know, the sound of rainforest. I got a sound of a crackling fire. I've got a uh, couple of, because Moby put out a couple ambient like noise uh, records and there's you know uh, a couple things from the uh, instrumental Nine Inch Nails albums and, and a couple uh, Upper Strata instrumentals on there too. So oh, nice, yeah, nice. <laughs> Some uh, fog is lifted and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Those are chill songs for sure. And that's um, that album. I mean, a lot of it was was the Northwest. Yeah, hiking in the fog. And, and the wet there we loved it there we didn't really want to leave so much we we enjoyed it there but yeah i'm you know i i'm i'm trying to relocate there eventually too but we'll see with uh the company i work for i can kind of move for short periods of time if i want and kind of check it out so um yeah, that was part of what my Colorado trip was about. But uh, yeah, it seems silly right now to make plans past much past next week. You know, during everything that's going on. But tentative, tentative right. plans for next year. So yeah, we'll see. Well, if you can get in with somebody who has a house or something and just like sublease from them or something like that, because their rents in, in Portland were so yeah. bad. Yeah, cost of living got so bad. But you know, our, our for a little while there, a couple couple of years, our favorite store was the Trader Joe's in uh, Woodstock area. We used to love that place. We used to call it Trey Trey. <laughs> Gotta go up to Trey Trey, get some groceries. Yeah. We always had cool stuff. We always liked it, and yeah. the people there were awesome. Yeah, all the cashiers they were great. So very Portland. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For Social. sure. For sure. Gregorius, uh, Gregorian, you know, just strange people. Gregorian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's going on there, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. sure. The lady that I think of her is Rainbow Bright because she had rainbow hair. Yeah. And she looked like some kind of anime character. And I was like, okay. <laughs> he was having a good time working there. So. Funny. Nice. But yeah, I mean, I love the area. I love the attitude there. Yep. And the people were awesome, but the rents were bad. And you see now with the Proud Boys and stuff like that, that it's a, it's a social experiment, Portland, so oh, yeah. Seattle, and crowned by bad stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, you know, they're getting victimized by that, unfortunately. Yeah. No, you'd, you'd love it if you did go out there, I'm sure. Yes. I mean, it's funny because Seattle is really where I'm kind of leaning towards. I, I almost went to college out there and, you know, I've, I, I, I've always been drawn to that area, but uh, um, yeah, it really remains to be seen what happens in the next six months with, you know, with the pandemic and stuff like that. So, but I've got, I got some friends out in Seattle uh, f- who are from here originally. And then some friends that I've made over the years going out there, so it's funny because there's a restaurant out there that has a f- couple of paintings that I did uh, up. The owner the owner bought them for me, and every few months I'll get a text or an email from someone out of the blue who saw it there and reaches out for a commission based on the painting I have there. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
the thing that we've found in Seattle is, is there's the Seattle on the surface and then there's a whole other Seattle of really cool restaurants and bars and things on like an underground yeah. aspect of it because it's again very high dollar um, beautiful city it's yeah. like Vancouver Junior or a little bit like San Diego or so you know it's very airy light beautiful place but it's funny that the expression skid row comes from there but you just don't you don't see it now right, right. so they've they've uh, sort of rehabilitated it um but uh like we we went and played a couple of places up there and there was like a central american restaurant that featured a lot of empanadas next door and then down the way was a really crazy dumpling place and it was like there's just there was just a whole other seattle underneath yeah this Seattle if if you have the time to, to spend there yeah and and around but i just love the feel of it on the water if you get up above and you can look into the sound gorgeous yeah gorgeous. it's, it's a beautiful it. area yeah well i dig i really dig the the new record a lot and you know it's always great to awesome talk to you guys yeah yeah um well i'm glad you glad you're digging it that's that would be upsetting if not <laughs> you've been with us for a long time yeah yeah you're the one that actually started us because we would have never played um like the mile high and that really got us going yeah and uh led to uh so, us having to be on our game every month yeah or every other month and figure out how to get all the gear in the car and right. set up to do everything we needed to do. And right. It was just good to have a regular show like that, but that led to a lot of other regular shows. Um, but it got us got us going, and it was a good forum. Yeah. Because we could bring any song we wanted. Oh, and now we're going to play some kazoo. Right. And now we're going to bring out accordion or whatever, and it was all fine. Right. You know, everything was okay. Whatever we did, so. Yeah, and it was... It was always a highlight um, having you guys play too. So, yeah, and I know that uh, Liz, the owner, was always like, "You're bringing them back again next month, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she had us on that every like the art walk. Yep. Every month. Yep. And uh, after a while, and it was good. We we loved it. Um, it was always fun to kind of just get out of town. Yeah, you'd be all stressed trying to get everything in the car and whatnot, and it's hotter than hell. And then as you start to make that drive, and you feel like you're in an airplane, yeah, flying up into the mountains, getting out of town, and uh, yeah, leaving town, everything's okay. It's, yeah, just chill out, and have a good ship. That gradual two-hour ascent up into the Verde Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still a mystifying place to me. Yeah, that's west. So thanks again for for doing that for us. Oh, absolutely, always. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was good talking to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and hopefully all this clears up and you can come sleep on this couch. Absolutely. Yeah. Love to. Out into a bed. Uh-huh. <laughs> got pretty good at city tours. Nice. Got a few guests. And, nice. Yeah. There's crazy stuff to see. So. Yeah, and I've definitely never been to Switzerland, so that's, you know, it's on the list. Yeah. 
well, here you can walk across a bridge and you're in France. Right. And then another one and you're in Germany. And, and they're not even drop bridges, so you don't have to worry about making your way back. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, stay safe, guys. And uh, yeah, have a happy, uh, happy holiday. Yeah, same to you. Thanks very much. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Good seeing you, bud. Good seeing you guys. Bye. Bye.